Does the thought of logging your fitness or food intake make you feel instantly anxious, annoyed, or you flat out refuse? Maybe you don't feel this way at all. Maybe you were hoping for food logging homework. You actually like it, but you haven't been doing it lately because it's just hard to find that time to stick with it. Whatever you have done in the past, leaned into logging or pushed it away, I would like to introduce you to logging without expectations. If you are intrigued, stay tuned. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Lindsay House, registered dietitian, private trainer, accountability coach, author. I have been working with clients for over 13 years, passionately changing the culture of health and fitness. I'm out here smashing scales, helping individuals rewrite the rules to what success looks like in their life. I want to change generational thinking, no more all or nothing mentality, get rid of the diets and believe in the individualized journey. We are stronger than we will ever accept and beautifully made just the way we are. Keep your eyes on your own paper and trust your own path. Thank you for trusting me and letting me be a constant encouragement through your week. Let's get this motivation started. Welcome to your podcast, Direction Not Perfection. Happy Podcast Friday. Welcome to episode 15, Logging Without Expectations. And what the heck does that mean anyways, right? What I'm going to be asking of you today is to stay open-minded because we need to shift your mindset, shift your way of thinking about logging food or fitness and bring you into this whole logging exercise in more of like a, a research mentality, meaning we are gathering data with our logging. We're gathering facts and really nothing more. Let me explain. When or if you have ever tracked your food in the past, it was probably because someone else asked you to. Maybe you started a diet plan. Most likely you were trying to cut calories. And if we're being really honest, we were probably trying to drastically cut calories. You know, staying under 1,200, even 1,000, I've heard some people say. So my guess is for most individuals logging their food intake, it can bring up different feelings. And these are some that I've heard. Fear, anxiety, embarrassment, fear of what we're actually going to see if we really dive in and start this, anxiety of feeling deprived or not being able to adhere to the plan, embarrassment if we're supposed to be bringing this log back to your doctor, your dietitian, your therapist. And let's just get this straight. There are very, very few of us who would like to have our food choices on display every day. (laughs) It's only fun to show off our food choices when we're 100% on top of it, right? Which some of us can be that on top of it for weeks or sometimes even months, but it's pretty impossible to be perfect lifelong. We're human. So now, if you're on the flip side of all of that, and say, I don't feel this way at all about food logging. You know, I actually enjoy it. These people are out there too, okay? I I get it. Um, This may be because you're already doing exactly what I'm asking out of our listeners today. You might be logging without expectations. You might be able to look at your food logs and know that you will some days stick with it, and other days when life gets in the way, it just might not look exactly how you wanted it to, but but you're okay with that. So we will forever have those days when they're going to flow in and out of our control, and and that's to be expected. It's okay. I want to walk you through this progression of food logging that could shift your mindset to just a more gentle approach, more attainable, let's say, and more lifelong. When I say lifelong attainable, 
I don't mean that you're going to be food logging for the rest of your life. What I mean is we'll be able to pull it in as a tool when we need it. So for instance, you're coming off of a vacation or maybe you're coming out of a busy season at work. So it would be really helpful to log your food intake just to rein it in a little bit to grab some control over those food choices. And then once you feel back on track, the food logging can go away for a while until that next time when you're ready and you need it again. So when we have a good relationship with food logging, we're just so much more able to quickly pull in and let go of that resource as needed versus it being kind of a barrier to even start. Studies show that food logging is an instrumental part of behavior change and weight control. And I'm bringing this up because it's hard to not recommend it. You know, even though I know it can bring up bad feelings, anxiety, that fear feeling, feelings that we don't normally want to bring up, even though I know that, when I also know that there's evidence-based research out there that will help people get the results that they're looking for, it's really hard not, not to talk about it or not to encourage it. So if you've scratched food logging off the list because it does only bring up those negative feelings, I'd really like to walk you through some new ideas today. Imagine you were just writing down your food choices, nothing more than just gathering data. And in the beginning, I wouldn't even worry about getting calories down. And not putting calories down is, this is intentional, okay? It's going to serve a couple different purposes. If you do not know the exact calories in your food choices, this can actually be a huge barrier for some individuals to get their foods written down. Okay, so and I'm saying that from like a time standpoint, by taking away the expectation of writing down calories, now we've also taken away a time barrier. We can write down what we ate in a matter of minutes, right? And we can even summarize our whole day, no problem, when we're not worried about looking up every nitty gritty little calorie, okay? So that's one big thing. It pulls away a time barrier, which is huge. The other thing is, if there are no calories, there's also a lot less judgment. And when I say judgment, I'm not talking about others. I'm talking about your own judgment. So let me give you some examples with this. All right. Close your eyes if you need to. Not if you're driving. Don't close them. (laughs) But this always helps me to envision. I'm going to give you a little day's worth of eating. Let's say for breakfast, you ate uh, steel-cut oats and blueberries. Maybe a mid-morning snack could look like string cheese and a clementine. Your lunch, maybe a turkey sandwich, chips, even a soda, mid-afternoon snack, maybe a little trail mix, dinner, steak, potato, salad. Okay, if we were just looking at calories, this might not seem like a super low-calorie day, right? But, 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 but if we take away calories, we are able to look at this day with a bit more of an open mind and possibly even give ourselves credit for all of the good that really can be going on as well. Give ourselves credit for the multiple fruits and vegetables that happened, the appropriate amount of protein, that there was a good amount of dairy in there and a good amount of fiber. So by the raise of hands, who looks at their food this way? Isn't it hard to pull away from that calorie mentality? Our food is providing so much more than calories, and yet this is always the first way that we judge, you know, if we had that good or bad day. And I say these two words on purpose, good and bad, (laughs) because these are the exact words that I want to delete from your vocabulary. There is no such thing as a good or a bad day, only successes and then the, the need to work on, okay? 
It's much, it's not as black and white, a lot more gray space. So once we can get in the flow of just getting the food choices down, which by the way, for some people is enough. It's kind of been cool to like start the process like this. I've had clients jump in and all of a sudden just by writing foods down, they're getting enough changes going on that it's giving them the results that they wanted. Okay, and so there's that. And then the other part of that is sometimes it starts the changes and then all of a sudden some plateau happens with it. So when and if that plateau happens, then it's just time to further investigate. This is kind of like phase two. Then we could start to analyze our calories. This is where we can start to put the calories back in. But even now, we are not aiming for a specific number of calories or a number to stay under, okay? But we're just getting the calories down. We are grabbing those numbers to fill in the spaces for more data, more research. To give you an example of this, of diving into our research, okay, if you wear a pedometer of any sort, I know that my Fitbit gives me... I can hit the little what looks like a fire button and it tells me my total caloric burn for the day. And I know that the iWatches, if you add your resting burn and your active calories, you can get that total caloric burn as well. And so to give you an idea of what that, let's pretend like you look at a week or two worth of your caloric burn and you're burning about 17 to 1800 calories per day. That's one part of our data research, okay, is how many calories on average, do we burn in a day? Well, if we know that we burn around 17 or 1800 calories, then we know if we eat under that 1700, that that's going to put us in more of like a weight loss category. If we're sticking in between that 17, 18, it's more of a maintenance category. And if we're over it, let's say, man, you know what, I'm on an average eating at least 2000 calories a day, that might be why we're slowly and steadily increasing in weight. But wow, if we look at it this way, isn't it kind of cool to think that I could lose weight at 1,700 calories? I feel like so many people think that they have to be sitting at 1,200 to even think about losing weight. And so when we pull all those numbers and we pull all that data, it all of a sudden makes us breathe that deep sigh of relief that, wow, maybe it doesn't have to be as strict as I think it has to be. Maybe I just need to know my numbers so I know a little more accurately where I need to sit within calories to get the results that I'm looking for. So what is even more cool is the data gets more fun over time. When you think about plotting results, results over time, nothing is drastic and fast, but the line will go in the right direction, okay? So time is that word. You're really hearing me emphasize that right now. Research and data lets us think long term. It gets us out of that short term, wanting quick results type thinking. More to to keep... Again, data, research, scientific eyes, it just helps us get out of that more emotional state. What this all means to me is when we're not expecting super quick results, it releases us from those unrealistic expectations. All of a sudden, it's okay if it takes months to drop that five or 10 pounds. It's okay if it's not all within a couple of weeks because we ultimately know we're going to get there because we can we can scientifically prove it to ourselves, Right. I want to take a little bit of time on this, um, thinking more if let's go off food for a second and let's talk fitness or even if you have daily or weekly weigh-ins. If you grab your weigh-in numbers and start to plot them on a graph, which by the way, I highly recommend. If you are like, I am not giving up my daily weigh-ins, then do me a favor and at least start to plot them. 
what you'll notice is a lot of jumping around with your plots, okay? A lot of your dots are going to be up and down, up and down, up and down on your graph. This is the days where maybe we're holding extra water, or maybe we ate more sodium, or maybe we didn't, maybe we have some fast drops of the dots because we went super low carb and higher protein a couple days. So if I can have you just picture picture your graph and picture plotting and how each weigh-in can just be a little up and down, up and down. But then ultimately, if we are holding steady with habit changes, if we're in general staying the course with, call it workouts, packing lunches, higher protein breakfast, reduced snacking at night, whatever those small changes start to look like for you, when those small changes happen over time, Even though the dots on a day-to-day basis are a little all over the place, if you took your pencil and drew your linear line, it's going to steadily go down. You're going to get to see over time that you are making progress. It's just that when we see that weigh-in on a day-to-day basis, we get caught up more in the, well, why'd it go up? Well, why'd it go down? Versus the whole okay, hang on, just like stay true to your course of action and and this will really start to work out. It's just hard to see it on a day-to-day. So let's also talk fitness. Um, Let's say you're out and you walk your 10,000 steps in a day and other days you notice that you're only at seven and other days you're only, I'm not not meaning to say only, other days you're at 9,000. So our steps are a little bit all over too, but you're grabbing these numbers and, and you're plotting them. What is helpful knowing these numbers is that if we put these numbers right next to our daily caloric burn, so we're back to needing that number, if we know what that looks like, so we start to see on one day I hit 10,000 steps, and that meant that I burned 2,000 calories in that day. And on another day I hit 7,000 steps, and I I burned 1,700 calories that day. Ah. Isn't that so much more motivating to go out and get steps if you know, well, even if I get two to 3,000 more steps, I am burning that many more calories in my day. So this is where numbers are just, they can be so motivating if we, if we detach from the emotional component of them and really dig into, they're just numbers. They're giving us data. We can take that data and plot it and put it next to each other and gather some and gather some research from it, right? Some explanations. But that's really that's where it becomes super helpful. What becomes not helpful with it is when our emotional mind comes in with it and we start judging the numbers and beating ourselves up because of them or negative self-talk because things aren't what we expected them to look like. So honestly, I think at this point, I've either totally confused you (laughs) or hopefully totally motivated you. So let's dive into some journaling questions. Okay. What are your initial feelings about logging your food intake or fitness routine? It's kind of like what we started to talk about in the beginning. Does it bring up any feelings for you? Angst, fear, excitement. So what are your initial feelings about logging your food intake and fitness routine? Number two, what are your biggest barriers when it comes to logging? Is it always like a time thing for you or maybe is it a you don't know where to put it? You don't have the right like logging tool yet? So number two is still what are your biggest barriers when it comes to logging? Number three, if and when you have logged in the past, did you benefit from this exercise? 
Can you look back and go, it did really make a difference when I was throwing my food down or it didn't or it threw me into emotional fit and was awful for me? Like what if and when you have logged in the past, did you benefit from this exercise? Okay, and your homework for the week is to read back through your journaling questions and utilize this insight to to not allow these feelings or emotions to stop you from starting a new journey with food and fitness logging. Just again, open minds, start fresh. I want you to take two days this week and log every bite of food and every step you take without expectations or judgment. And I can't wait to see you next Friday. Thank you for joining me today. If this topic served any purpose for you or you could picture that exact person that needed this, I am always honored when you share the episode. We are making 2019 the year we are going to just pour motivation and inspiration onto others. I also forever appreciate when you leave reviews on iTunes and rate the podcast. I send you off with all the praise and momentum you deserve for staying open to information and keeping an open mind to what your journey looks like now, within a year, the next five years, slow and steady all. It's not instant gratification and therefore it's not always that exciting, but a much gentler and redeeming path that will serve you well throughout all of your years and for every season of life. I cannot wait to catch up next Friday. Cheers to health and happiness.